You are listening to Nerd Best Friends, a podcast that covers the nerdy conversations you're already having, or wish you could. It's the nerdiest thing you'll do this week. Thank you for listening to Nerd Best Friends. I'm Annalise, and I'm here with my best friend, Rob. Hey, it's me, Rob, your best friend, your super nerd, and your podcast co-host. Nerd Best Friends can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and follow us now. If you would like to support our podcast, subscribe to Nerd Best Friends on Patreon for as little as $1 a month for exclusive bonus content. Or if you'd like to give a one-time donation, find us at Nerd Best Friends on Venmo. It is officially the start of Season 3. This is Episode 38. And today we're going to tell tall tales about rolling nerd dice in Las Vegas in our first installment of Nerd Travels. But first, what I like about it. For this week's What I Like About It, I'm going to pull our attention to a movie called Nimona on Netflix. And this one's been out for a few months at this point. I think it came out at the beginning of the summer while we were at our off season. And it had been recommended to me by some folks in my Monday night D&D group. I also had seen some things when it came out, you know, on social media or whatever. I was like, oh, I should definitely get to that. It looks like guys with armor and swords and monsters. It was much more than that. And now hmm. I understand the recommendations and how, why people were so wild about it. It is a story of an outcasted character who gets framed for murder and be, and is befriended by a monster, which is, you know, he's from the knights of the realm who swear to defend the kingdom against monsters. But this monster takes them in and they work together to not exactly be villains at all, but to uncover the conspiracy and try to prove his innocence it mm. is laugh out loud funny it is incredibly well done with the art style minor spoiler <laughs> it throws you for a loop in like the first five minutes as it does this whole setup of this medieval time and the hero that slays the dragon and then all of a sudden it says a thousand years later and there's flying cars and skyscrapers but it still has it's like this medieval high fantasy futurism that totally blew me away as far as the the subtleties in which they're able to keep things such as like the Tudor style you know high fantasy villages built into the all glass structure of skyscrapers and stuff hmm. right like it's the motorcycles vaguely look like horses like just cool stuff like that that's kind of in the background and they don't hang a lampshade on it but there's just this world building there and it's a unique story it's not a hero's journey story it's something completely different which i totally loved cannot recommend nimona on netflix enough and that's why i like it well how about some nerd mail nerd mail in terms of nerd mail we have two things going on the first is, I totally got nerd corrected. Thank you, listeners. In last episode, nerdiest thing I did this week, I talked about finally seeing Scream 5 and went on this rant about it and that we went a whole rant about movies and endings and an end. I actually met Scream 6, not 5. 6 is, th there is the newest one. And they actually now have signed on to start 
the process for seven. It's officially a horror franchise like the rest, and who knows where it's going to go, but totally had have you, some Have you seen Scream 5? Yes, I had seen okay. 5. So 5 was a while back, if you remember, back when we had our foreign exchange student, as well as my stepdaughter living with us, Scream 5 came out that fall. So I watched... One, two, three, four with them. And then we went to the theaters to watch Scream 5. So the, the newest one that I was like, oh, Nev Cannibal's not in it. Should I really watch it? And everyone's like, yeah, you should watch it. That was Scream 6. Nerd corrected. But also, we did something different, right, Rob? Yes. So this week, instead of collecting all the nerd mail from listeners, we reached out to people who are not only maybe listeners of the show, but friends of ours who were part of this episode, part of the nerd travels we're going to talk about. In this week's episode, you'll get to hear from some of those folks that are in our D&D group who made this trip with us and some of their reflections upon it. And I'm I'm really excited about that. That was something cool that we were able to do. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to hear other voices and hear what they had to say about our nerd travels. All right, so we are moving on to nerd travels. This is a nerd travel episode. This is something that I have been fighting against since the beginning of this podcast because <laughs> you really have. <laughs> Annalise likes to go places and do things, and I like to sit at my desk and paint miniatures and be introverted. But somehow we pulled it off, and this was a big one. So, what is nerd travels, Annalise? Well, the hope is, as our podcast grows, that you and I can go experience things that other nerds experience. Before we started recording today, we were talking about Gen Con and how cool it would be to go to Gen Con one time. Those are the types of nerd travels that I would love, love, love to get us involved in. But listeners, Rob absolutely fights me every time I bring it up. So we decided to start slow and I kind of started to reel in the idea thanks to one of our listeners who let us know about... A barcade, I guess is the, the right That's exactly what it days. is, which is a word, yeah. you know, I didn't know. <laughs> right. A barcade that, well, you knew about barcades because we went so. to one you in should. Vegas, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was a total like club Vegas atmosphere. My 35th birthday already 10 years ago, we did that, if you can believe it. Right. That does not feel like 10 years ago. Oh, it, sure, my 30, yes. it was my 30th. It was my 30th. I could even guess that it was longer than that ago. It, was like, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel that long ago to me, but it, I digress. We went to Barcade at that point. That's not in Vegas anymore. I think it used to be called Insert Coins or something like that. We found out a Barcade opened up in a town nearby us. We took a little day trip to go check it out. And that was kind of the start of Nerd Travels and hopefully not the end because I would really love for us to go do things. On High on my list is still taking you back to Vegas so we can go to the Pinball Hall of Fame. And I think I sent you about a barcade that I learned about that looked really cool. I sent you a link and I don't remember the name of it, but I, I saw a little ad for it. So there's like there's like a three-pronged thing we can do out in Vegas that has nothing to do with the strip and all the masses of people. That being said, you want to talk about our first like little mini nerd travel? Yeah, let's talk about this one. It's funny that you said start slow because that's where we went. <laughs> SLO or San Luis Obispo, California. Uh, slow, yep. Where there is a barcade called Up Down Left Right BA Start. When you look it up on maps though, it's just BA Start, BA start. because you can't put arrow emojis in <laughs> an address, which but the hey, come on, says, nerds. The sign Sorry. is the whole Nintendo cheat code. You you so. know that cheat code up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. So we ch- we we checked this place out. It was incredible and very different from the barcade that you were talking about in Vegas because this one is a retro arcade. This one has yes. stand-up arcade games just lining the walls, center of the floor. There's a stage there for live music. There is a very full tap of different choices of your craft beer. It's got a little kitchen in there, tons of pinball, tons of arcade. A little, some, a couple of the cocktail sit-down arcades, the old school like Ms. Pac-Man and stuff. 
stuff like that. Yes. Tables to sit in and hang out. Super cool place. It was really fun. I was very impressed behind the stage. We probably stood there for about 15 minutes pointing out everything on this giant mural behind the stage of every 1980s reference you could possibly imagine and the bar itself was decorated with actual memorabilia high up so people couldn't mess with it but they had some actual pieces from the 1980s that was either personal collection or they went and sought it out in on ebay and stuff but i mean there were some original nintendo pieces up there and just some some really cool stuff decorating this whole retro bar but it was a lot of fun we had a good time it was a lot of fun. And while we were there, just to kind of tell like a fun story is while we were there, it seemed like it had very recently been the debut of the Foo Fighters pinball machine. Yes. Like they were very excited about the Foo Fighters pinball machine. There was giant posters and banners and, yes. you know, things to bring you over there. There were some dudes in there that were committed to getting yes. high score. Like you could tell they were real pinball dudes. They kept yes. playing. They kept checking their phone and like logging into some kind a cool app or something and yeah they were like logged into the machine and yes. checking online to make sure their scores or their averages or whatever was being updated it, that that machine has some total connectable content right so whatever's going on and this would be we'd have to get our pinball wizard back on the show to figure out like when they do these new releases is this a thing now that yeah they put them in these places and then all over the world people are now competing for high score it's not just get your initials at the top of the screen it's now a global community is what it seemed like it's crazy Well, you know, if you remember, we texted Nancy while we were there and she's like, I totally played it. You should log in and track your scores. And I was like, what? Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. And then ironically, just seems to be the thing when I show up to Barcades, it was actually a pinball tournament that evening. (laughs) I know we had been there about two hours or so. And finally, so and somebody as we were getting ready to leave came around like passing out flyers. Hey, are you guys here for the pinball tournament? Like, oh, we were just about to leave. Yeah. And I I think it was a work night. It was a Sunday. It was a work night. So it like staying until that thing ended and then driving back from slow really wouldn't have been in our best interest. So we didn't stay, but it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it looks like, I mean, we were probably there on a Tuesday afternoon, but it looks like they probably have some really fun stuff going on during the week and probably on the weekends. Again, there's a stage there. So you imagine there's live performances and you're playing video games, drinking crap beer and having a great time in uh, San Luis Obispo. <laughs> and we definitely have some video and pictures to describe all of this, which will be put in our Patreon for subscribers to see good times. All right. Well, but- that was a mini nerd travel. You did yes. get me out of the house for that one. But <laughs> the bulk of our episode today is to talk about our our maxi <laughs> trip, our big yes. nerd travel experience. So let's talk a little bit first about the background that got us to Las Vegas to play D&D. This was a three-year adventure that started Mm -hmm. in 2020 with a group of people. On my end, I just remember we talked about, you know, playing every other week, same group of people. At least five of the seven had to be present in order to play the adventures. And we're going to try to take it from level one to level 20, which at the time I didn't know how rare that was. I was like, all right, that sounds cool. That means we're going to be playing for a while. So we picked our characters, started out, and we played just about every other Wednesday for three years. It did. It was kind of pandemic time, and we were just going to run one-shots. I had a bunch of people that had reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I hear people are starting games online, and did you want to run something? And of course, I've got 
a ton of like ready to go one shots. Like I'll buy yeah. PDFs on different Patreons or I'll collect books and things that have different adventures. I probably still have a hundred that I may never play, but it's enjoyable reading for me to like grab one mm-hmm. of these books and read about the yeah. world building and the setting and stuff and just kind of get ideas for other places and those kinds of things. So there was no shortage of those one shots. I was like, sure, maybe we do this like every Wednesday. And I was like, that sounds like a big commitment because I don't see anybody else stepping up to run these games. How about every other Wednesday? So it became the every other Wednesday pretty quick after we had done some of the one shots and stuff. And and yeah, we had started with about eight or nine people invited every week and just like, hey, if we can get four or five, we're on and, and we'll run the game. And as we went on through week after week after week, we noticed there was kind of a core group that kept showing up. Yeah. So why not make it a campaign? You know, I, I don't quite remember the one shots that that prefaced it. I was so new to D&D and sure. it was the beginning of the pandemic. I was kind of being thrown in and learning the mechanics of playing at the same time. So, you know, um, if you don't mind talking about that, because that is an interesting story to have never played the game before different than someone like me who grew up playing it and some of some of the people in that group played when they were teenagers and stuff D&D at its core to me is a cooperative game of people sitting around the table you know when you get into it there's always someone there who they want extra players so they invite you to join and they'll sit next to you and point at your character sheet and kind of explain how things are going but yours and some of the other people in this group their experience playing Dungeons and Dragons this cooperative tabletop game was sitting alone in a room so there's caveats to that right like like I definitely hung out with you you and maria and and our friends while you would host these big games on like a saturday i'd hang out and munch on food and you know something might be on the tv while y'all were playing and i'd stand there and watch a little bit and like i'd been around the game a lot i did play two in-person games before we got to shutdown in March of 2020. Okay. So the first one was really introduct- introductory one with you and Andrew that wasn't online. And I think it might have been the Stranger Things one you got me when I first moved back, the starter oh, did set. Did you get that in? I, I kind of feel like... I- in my we memory, played that it. Was online. I can't. It might have been online, but I know I played one with just you and Andrew, where you guys showed me mechanics. It might not even. Have, oh, 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 oh! It was one Andrew ran, mm. and it was the ice one. Oh, like a Christmas, like a holiday, like Christmas yeah, 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 one, yeah. right? Yeah, right. And that was second. That. The first one was playing in person at listener Juliana's house for New Year's Eve. So we all got oh, together yes. New Year's Eve 2019 going into 2020 oh, okay. and we played in person. The problem for that game for me was it was awkward for me. I didn't understand the role playing. So I just like, I used a, a name for my character that already existed. I think it was Jin Urso because I couldn't think of another name. <laughs> I was just nice. like a, a warrior or something. And I just very loosely followed the sheets. I don't know. The game was awkward. I don't recall anyone saying like, oh, here's how you look at the sheets and you were running it. So, and I, you know, I was sitting on the other side of table. It would have been like you or Andrew, but you guys were on the other side. And I was just kind of like, I think Andrew was helping his mom. (laughs) Yeah. And that, they, 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 you were all sitting on the other side of the table for sure. So I, I didn't have someone we'll talk about later about this game in Vegas. I didn't have that same level of interaction, but also my understanding of the game wasn't very high, right? I've only played video games and I'd only played solo player games where I'm making all the decisions and the most tactical decision I can make is to try to win the game. So the whole, like you have a a character and you need to think within your character and the role play bit really didn't didn't jive with me until we were online and playing masks, right? So playing masks with Andrew running that game. Role play. 
uh, that's system. when I really started to understand role play and especially having a character in that game that wasn't super weaponry and attacky. I had to start thinking, what would my character do with the small skills she has in order to impact this scenario we're in? That's what really got me thinking like a character. So I did play those two games in person, but they were very touch and go, very shaky. And then we shut down. That was December and January. And then we shut down. Yeah. And that's when this, like, I started the every other Wednesday scenarios. And then that turned into the long stemmed game that we're talking about today. And then at some point you were like, Hey, why don't you get more gameplay in? We meet on every other Saturdays. We can use another player. It's just, you know, just three of us. We can use another player. And so I started doing the every, every other Saturdays. So my experience has totally been learning that role playing and seeing D and D only on one dimensional screen. I don't know that I would have liked it the other way around. I understand now the pull and the draw and the community aspect of playing an in-person game. And it was so deeply impactful after all these weeks and weeks and weeks of only Mm. playing online. Understanding the difference now is more poignant for me versus the other way around. Like you were saying, it was just always in-person, in-person, in-person that you just, you know, the mechanics of the game and you're, you're just playing. I don't know. I got hooked on D&D in this manner and appreciate it in person a lot more because of that just to finish up that thought i was having tell me if this if this rings true for your memory the stranger things starter box that wizards of the coast put out it's got like a mega dungeon where you're in kind of like the upside down or whatever and we had looked at the maps together and planned out building the giant map that was when i had the big game table in the middle for it we like measured it and stuff and we're like it's gonna cover the whole table how cool would that be i'm gonna get to 3d printing so that we can make this awesome, crazy dungeon. And that was probably like during winter break, probably like mm-hmm, right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the new year. And then <laughs> that just got totally well, wiped out. <laughs> even to be very and specific. We yeah. yeah, we played it online. And you know what? I, that that was valuable to me too, because no matter how many hints you dropped, I wasn't good enough at role playing yet to understand that this NPC you brought forward was intended to do a little side quest to, you mm. know, make the game a little bit longer and maybe give us, you know, some kind of little reward for completing that side quest until we finished the game and we talked through it. And oh yeah, was... you didn't want anything to do with Princess What's-Her-Face. No, I was like, you're in the way, <laughs> right? Because I was, I'm so tactical thinking <laughs> like a video game. I need to get to the next step and you're not the next step. You're just Grand Theft Auto. You're just in the way. Let me punch you in the face so I can go do my thing. Right. That's where my brain was until I understood role-playing. But I remember taking your big giant game table you used to have and taking dungeon tiles you already had because you looked at the whole 3D print. Like I don't need to print out a thousand pieces. I have most of this stuff already. And we tried to put together all of the things. You like you like did some math on how many more you'd have to make to complete <laughs> it. And then we got the shutdown. So we did play that one online. That one would have been bonkers as giant as that one was, but who knows how how much I would have gleaned from it, not really understanding D&D at that time. So before we describe the campaign, we do have a guest audio file. Kim, who plays the character Holly Day, which joke name for a new player. <laughs> this is what you're stuck with for 20 levels, but that's what you decided to do. Holly Day, the Christmas elf was what she came <laughs> to the table with and was stuck with, my God, for three and a half years. Hello, my name is Kim Ortega, and I'm also known as Holly Day. First name Holly, last name Day, elf from the north. My favorite part of gameplay has to be 
Okay, there's two. One when Luther went into like, I don't know, he went into like a cave or room before me. And this is when I was still a young wizard. And I threw a fireball in there and just <laughs> burnt him to smithereens, lit his cigarette at the same time. And then I think the other favorite time was any time that Peter fell into a pile of poop. I mean, like literally a poo room. <laughs> so yes, those were Holiday's favorite. From Holiday, I would like to say, I hope you have very many lovely days ahead. All right, so that was Kim. You got a little taste of holiday and what that was all about. <laughs> it was a Russian accent for some reason. Christmas elf, North Pole. From, from Russia. Russian accent. There was an underlying theme of anti-capitalism throughout. Yes, it was amazing. <laughs> right? Like fantasy Santa Claus gives gifts. He doesn't charge you for them. I don't know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it was good stuff. And she stuck with it the whole campaign. So Very it's true. good work. And she talked about two particular moments that were funny and memorable. One of them, the character of Peter falling character peter was supposed to be our like sly stealthy dude Mm -hmm. and the first like half of these levels he rolled so bad that he's falling into ditches and failing his stealth checks and one of those he fell into a unfortunate pile of grossness refuse well you know what's great about that that was a really great team role-playing moment around that because we kept ragging him for smelling for the rest of the level i thought that was really cool and then the other one about the character luther who's hard-nosed cowboy paladin. who oh, that's right a paladin. paladin thank you coming thank from you. a background where he had a criminal background where he traveled with a gang of outlaws that's and right. then decided to try to work towards his spiritual redemption and be a better person and the person playing that character had a pack of like stage cigarettes that's right when we first started the campaign and would chew on them and then not be able to use them after a while. One of the early adventures, he had one in his mouth and Kim did some spell that created like explosion and exploded in his face because he had a lit cigarette. And then she went, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. But let's talk about the campaign, Rob. I know this was your dream and a chance to be super creative out of the book. I just know this was something you had thought of for a very long time. I'll even date back to when we were teaching marching band together and you wanted to do a Western themed marching band show. Like, I think you've been thinking about this for a very long time. So tell us about the campaign. I am a sucker for Westerns and Western tropes. I think even if my D&D games have nothing to do with actual literal interpretations of the West, I tend to lean towards plots and characters that are white hat good guys and black hat bad guys. And, you know, it all culminates in some big showdown. It's just kind of how I'm wired with that. For this campaign, like we said, it has started out with just doing one shots every week. So I had collected all of those and started cataloging them and pulling out the books and kind of figuring out 
which authors I thought had some good stuff. And I had just been hmm. pouring over them. So they were all kind of in my mind. So when we decided to do this campaign, it was like, okay, well, I want to just stitch together all these one shots. I'm not going to go buy an off the shelf campaign. Yeah. I've got all this stuff. I think I can figure it out. I've got several one shots for every level of play. This was the end of 2020 was when this happened. Mandalorian season two was hitting hard and we were mm-hmm. loving that. This was also near the release. I think it was in November where Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out. And that is a mm-hmm. D&D book that was a player supplement that had some different um, subclasses for the different classes in D&D. And there is a picture in there of a dragonborn paladin and he's standing there in a leather duster and he's got a shield and the shield has like a sheriff's star on it and a wanted poster hanging on it and that was that moment like i saw that character and everything came together it was Hmm. oh that's the sheriff of this little town and he is something special and maybe he's like a level 20 dude who's retired and now is kind of sheriff of this sleepy little town and sends them off on these adventures so now i'm looking through all of these one shots and figuring out like which ones can i just kind of skin in and around this little sleepy western town and that's what it was Sheriff Coleman and this little town and you guys come in and and he gives you jobs. And at first it's kind of jobs for pay. And then it was about bringing you into kind of a bigger picture and bigger responsibilities and those kinds of things. I felt like it worked out really well. So when you say like, yeah, this was a dream. It's like, yeah, like everything kind of came together right at the right moment. I was like, this is the Western the fantasy Western D&D game that I can that I can do. That's how it went. It was really great starting at level one and you know this these random people end up in this town, this fictional town of Morsane coming together to make a little bit of money at first. And then we introduced or you introduced kind of the bad guy. Right. So Cairo. that was, yes, Mr. Cairo. I had titled the campaign, The Outcasts of Morsane, Morsane right. being the little town. And as everybody brought their characters, they were all from somewhere else or not, right? So there was the outlaw that came in this town kind of trying to escape his past. There was the monk that was going out and seeing the world and learning about things that had traveled here from a faraway land. There was the elf who had come to, you know, the desert to seek warmer climates from the North Pole. And there was even, you know, Michael's character was from, was the only one from Morsane, right, but had right. grown up in the Thieves Guild and now wanted to detach himself away from that and and align with the sheriff, with Sheriff Coleman. Yeah. So yes, as we went through, after like level three, level four, I'm like, okay, this needs to become something bigger. We need to have that B plot, right? So if you're looking at a television series that's episodic, right? Anything from the 90s that we used to watch, Star Trek or MacGyver or whatever, everything is monster of the week kind of thing, right? It's episodic, right. but they'll keep putting in little things in the B plot for an overarching story in the season, right? Buffy the Vampire Slayer did. A great this job. is the this is a Joss Whedon model that everyone else started to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So follow, that yeah. was where, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I need to do that. I got to figure out something like that for whatever reason. It was pandemic time, so we were doing a lot of like watching movies and hanging out. One of my favorite old movies or favorite movies, period, is the Maltese Falcon. And mm-hmm. so we had happened to be watching the Maltese Falcon with Andrew showing it to him for the first time, and I'm looking around at these, and I'm like, God, Mr. Cairo is just such a little. <laughs> <laughs> jerk he's a punk what if he's the best what if he what if he's the big bad <laughs> 
and then it all just put it in place and you guys reacted perfectly not knowing that that was going to be the thing mr cairo shows up and like the first thing that happens is luther like pushes him out of the way and he like falls <laughs> down into the dirt and i'm like oh this could not have worked any better well you know what i remember about that is that I missed the game that Cairo was uh, was introduced. So when I came back the next week, everyone else was already gone on the adventure. You had me start in Morsain with Sheriff Coleman going, where is everyone at? I, you know, whatever. I can't even remember the reason why, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I had to catch up to where they were. Cairo walks in and starts talking mess about my friends. And without saying a word, because, you know, my Dragonborn monk character, me taking the monk idea seriously, stoic. barely, very yeah. stoic, didn't talk much, just turned around and socked him in the face. <laughs> and I remember seeing Adam's screen. He was just celebrating. And I had no idea why i'm like you don't talk mess about my friends yeah so he's just <laughs> this little perfect. weaselly dude yeah I'll, I'll you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna say it was such a good role playing by me that everybody wanted to just hate on this poor guy is <laughs> <laughs> the voice and everything i think the only only more knowing voice was uh than uh cairo was the stitch man the lich stitch the lich the really about? really annoying voice of the thing that almost killed us all when we were in that dungeon and stuck the lich? And then came back at the end. You're talking about Agron? Yes. Yes. Agron is with that annoying he talks voice. in the Skeletor voice. He's, you know, like you can't yes. have a lich yes. without the Skeletor voice. Lich. There uh, we go. And we had a great time. Speaking of Adam and Luther. Sure. He sent in a message as well, right? He did. And you know what? Adam is so experienced with D&D. He's, he was like on par with you, on par with Andrew when we play just longtime D&D player. And he actually went an extra, extra mile, I guess you would say, with his Redemption Paladin in that he started to keep a journal mm-hmm. of his character and his character's path to redemption and, and the things he's feeling when we got to the final game eventually. And he shared that journal with us. It was really profound. What a cool idea. And, and he did this not knowing, like we didn't go in from day one being like, oh yeah, someday we're going to have a big event where we all play not in person all. and you should have have Not this physical prop or whatever like this was just he was so invested in that character that that's what yes. he wanted to do and he started keeping this version in luther's voice and writing in it and one of the things that he did is things started ramping up and getting difficult right like once we started hitting like level 15 and the stakes seemed to be getting a little bit bigger and the monster seemed to be getting a little bit dangerous he his character gave your character his journal don't read this he was close uh, to death in one of the right. 15 or 16 level 15 or 16 and he had his he had his character have a i don't know if obsession is the right word but a high level of respect for our cool my dragonborn monk that luther gave our cool the journal in the I- I- event that he dies i think there was a character arc too there where he had completely disabandoned his old ways he had right. realized that what he had been looking for this whole time was the family that he didn't get a chance to have because he had run with those outlaws and now yes. he had found it and he would you know the a paladin is a tank class you're gonna get mm-hmm. up there and stand in the line of fire and absorb damage and yeah. i think he leaned into that role play wise by being like i will die for these people mm-hmm. and the way mm-hmm. things are going that's probably going to happen <laughs> so mm-hmm. here you better take my journal <laughs> yeah it was great well and he actually you know he did something a little different and he sent us pieces of his journals so let's listen to adam's message a few weeks later what in the name of sweet fantasy christ am i doing here Weeks have gone by and I am still here working for the sheriff. To what end? Perhaps I have actually begun to care for the ones I fight alongside. Elf is a... 
poor conversationalist, but he nearly always comes through when we need him. Frau and Holly Day are beginning to come into their own as they gain more control over their skills and powers. I truly cannot imagine traveling without the improvised songs of mariachi, which both soothe and invigorate. Plus, I have learned words from her native tongue, such as huevos, which means eggs, and pendejo, which she has told me means great individual. Peter is both smart and skillful, though perhaps not wise. In the span of a few weeks, I have seen him skillfully assassinate a giant scorpion, and also dive headfirst into sh twice. Peter is also the same age that he would have been. Our cool as ever is inscrutable, but they are always standing by my side whenever danger presents itself. I believe if anyone were to judge me or my actions, our cool is the only one perhaps who could do so truly impartially. Oh, we also met Holly Day's elf friends. They were going on about unburdening the working class from the fetters of capitalism and the tyranny of the oligarchy. Strange folk. Nice though. I mean, that's Luther in the flesh. That's Luther. That's Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And he it committed. Was, yeah, he committed 100%. And a lot of the times, because he was around people who were newer to D&D, he was carrying the role-playing, especially early on. I remember that. It was a lot of oh, you yeah. as the DM and him, because the rest of us were, you know... And I guess, you know, uh, Michael playing Peter. But did this was job. only the second time Michael had ever played, or actually, was this the first? I think this was with Michael's first D&D game with us. He may have yeah. tried to run for his friends before shutdown and stuff, but I met Michael. Michael's quite a bit younger than us. I actually yes. met Michael when he was a senior in high school, and we were on a school trip. It's crazy, like, A Random. equals yeah. Z equals W to do this, but... My son is the same age as some of my cousin's daughters and their school was going on the social studies trip to Washington, D.C. and New York. And so we jumped into that school district's trip because we knew them and the teacher in charge of that trip brought his teenage son along to do the trip. And we did this whole thing. And there was a big group of us. And on our way home, while we were waiting on like a layover, a couple hours of layover for our next flight, we're just sitting there and I happened to notice Michael, which honestly, I didn't even remember his name i hadn't talked to him yeah. the whole trip because he yeah. was with his family and i was mm -hmm. with the kids and stuff but i looked over his shoulder and he was sitting there on his phone watching critical role on youtube <laughs> and i'm like hey dude you watch critical role he's like yeah I was like, do you play D, D? he's like oh i'd really like to and blah 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 and i'm like oh my god here we go come here we got one <laughs> and we just we were saying like oh my gosh i wish we had figured this out a week ago we could have been <laughs> Played you could have been you could have played somewhere well. during in the hotel one night, yeah. But well, then he um, ends up being a band nerd like us, and yep, you had that in common senior, as well. He was yeah, Marchie Man, he was in the drum line, just a ton of stuff in common with us. And so I got his contact information. And when we started doing those one shots, I just sent him a message, Hey, you still feel like playing DD? And he jumped in, like, and good for him, because he jumped in as like an 18-year-old to yeah. all of us. Yes, <laughs> and there's and like, we're extra. <laughs> a bunch of old people. <laughs> Yeah. according to him you know so the, it's really fun in a few ways it, so listeners if you've done the math that does mean that michael turned 21 briefly before our trip to las vegas so that was yeah. really fun as well to be his mm -hmm. first trip to vegas as a 21 year old without his parents but also we were nice to him we weren't crazy we're all too old for that we also to say i'm gonna throw out there adam who plays luther is our former student he was in yes that's right my, my exactly was in my band. 10 years younger than me <laughs> like mm -hmm. 10 years and four months or something younger than me. So what a cool, like talk about it's a small world and circle of people and how you met Michael. You, we have Adam in there who is a former student. We have Josh and Juliana in there who are, you met Juliana through work. 
and got to know them. And we had Allison there, who Who was a friend of Adam's and Kim was a friend of Juliana's. Right, right. Talk about Bane of Misfits. But man, Adam really, really committed to Luther and it ended up being really awesome. Let's talk about the actual trip. Yeah, so (laughs) something, 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 three and a half years later, we're going to (laughs) finish this thing. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. There were a lot of those Wednesday nights where we were tired and people didn't show. And that and that was something that I did from the onset was it was a seven player game. And it was like, and I said from the beginning, if we've got five, we're on, (laughs) you know, because trying to manage seven different families and different adults um, is really challenging. So that is kind of like a a tip there for even if you're doing your in-person game or whatever it is, you might want to think about having a rule of thumb that says, okay, I've got this many players we do that on our tuesday night game that michael runs too there's five players in this game if we've got three we go right Right. so be on time show up because we've got three we're going and you're missing out and yeah and as we progressed and we were i want to say somewhere around level 17 i think you and i started talking off the game how cool it'd be to be in person like you had this vision about being in person for the final level 20 and what that would look like and between the two of us we came up with a couple of different ideas somewhere i want to say in the level 18 game maybe level 19 because that level 19 took us extra amount of time (laughs) took us like four or five sessions so going every other week it took us like two months to do level 19 so somewhere around there we presented this idea to the team So we're going to try to make it as cost effective as possible. And we actually picked a date. We picked a weekend that everyone could be available in July. And then you backwards planned on what it would look like to get to the end of level 19 in time to get there in Vegas in July. It was totally doable. It was like, okay, you know, the level 20 game just can't go past three sessions. Even if it went to four, the next week we would go play, you know, or sorry, the level 19 19. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was, there was padded time. I think we actually had a Wednesday or two off before we met in person, which was great for my prep. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And great for everyone to have a little bit of a break too. Um, these were 8 PM to 11 PM games. So that's the Mm -hmm. whole tired. There was, there was one session. Kim passed out asleep on her couch. (laughs) Poor thing on her screen. Like on, (laughs) she's just flat on her couch and out. So Rob's like, I'm going to turn her camera off and we'll see if she wakes up. Like there were times that I remember I kept my earbuds in and I, like leaned back in my chair and started to fall asleep like there were some definitely some rough weeks so the two weeks off was good there were a few not too many but they were definitely like i canceled some games too just being middle of the week like headache just tired and stressed from work and i'm just like i gotta call in sick you guys i need to go to bed before (laughs) because that's the other thing about it like i don't you know the game ends at 11 i'm not asleep by 1105 like no 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 running these games like there's a lot of energy you got to put into it like it's like another hour of winding down to be able to get to a place where i can like go to sleep and a lot of times like i'll I'll dream about things game mm-hmm, when we mm-hmm. do that too well there's definitely like on level up games when we leveled up at the end of the session that we'd still be in the zoom till 11 30 almost midnight talking about like what we get in this level and what should you know and that yeah. was helpful that's a little bit of that piece of playing around the table hey uh what you know this between this option and this option what would be better for my character and that, that like having those conversations happened via zoom so that did happen a little bit we had a few ideas we're both mm-hmm. big fans of firestone brewery so we thought what if we were in paso robles i almost said paseo nuevo like we're going to 
to the mall. That's the name of a mall in Santa Barbara. But we thought about going to Paso Robles where there's a Firestone and we can get a hotel and maybe a little conference room. We talked about some Airbnb options and we were looking for quite a while. And I took ownership of this. This is the work I did as a band director for 19 years. It's easy for me to come up with an itinerary, but kind of took in what you had wanted out of the weekend, which is the the parameters were a big fun dinner. Cool dinner with the yeah. team on Friday, a good place to play all day Saturday, even if we break it up into segments and have like breakfast, have lunch, do something that night together, whether we're like just hanging around and having some drinks or going to a barcade or just doing something fun Saturday night and then everyone goes home Sunday. So those were kind of the parameters. And we went around in circles, come to find out hotels in Central California were just out of whack in terms of prices. You remember we were looking even like at a Motel 6 was like $300 yeah. a night and Paso Robles didn't make any sense. And we, right. and we, we found had out. The varying, you know, and we have a varying group that had to travel different distances right. and those kinds of things as well. So it's not, everyone wasn't in the position of like, oh yeah, $500 a night, sure, no problem. Like we had to find a middle, right. you know, we had to find yeah. something that could work for everybody. On my end, with the move to to Northern California, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to do it at all. Was able to make it work, but somewhere along the lines, we had spent some time on one of the Wednesdays. Just, what about this? Let me text my friend that has this Airbnb. And like, we we're just going in circles. I don't remember. It might have been Kim. I don't remember who brought up Vegas. Why don't we just meet in Vegas? Like who does this, who does this all the time, you know, and is, is totally set up for this kind of thing and prides itself on being cheap so that you go and spend your money gambling. And, (laughs) and that we all had a way to get there. That was relatively simple and cheap. Right. 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 Versus Um, everybody in the group does live in California, although California is a big place and we pretty (laughs) much, I mean, from Ukiah to San Diego, we pretty much, and everywhere in between, we pretty much have it covered. Yep. Ukiah, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Camarillo, San Diego. Am I missing anything? I think that's everybody. Well, I mean, Josh, who is in our campaign, works. uh, He's a fire. He's a firefighter. He's a fire captain. And so a lot of times when he could, he would play in between calls in the middle of the night (laughs) from the fire station, which is in another city (laughs) altogether. Another city south of Santa Barbara would be like, well, I gotta go, guys. Like that happened a lot. We'd be right in the middle. He'd be like, oh, get the call. And they gotta go. (laughs) Gotta go. So Vegas came up and it is actually the perfect location for this culminating game. And since I lived there for nine years, again, I had already taken over the planning. I decided to to throw out some of what what's considered, quote unquote, locals casinos because mm-hmm. they are built in neighborhoods. They're not on the strip because I know we weren't looking necessarily for the big oh Vegas strip and, you know, five hundred dollars a night. Game. That's yeah, kind of one right. of the things we all decided was like, you know, yes, it's Vegas, but this weekend should be about the game and it should be right. about us spending time together. Right. And so I picked some of what my, were my favorite casinos, lo- quote unquote, locals casinos again, because when you, when it's in your neighborhoods or in an area of your neighborhood, you know, it's where the good restaurants are, it's where the movie theaters are, it's where the bowling alleys are. So if you want to do those things, you go to that casino to go to the movie theater. We, when I lived in that area of Vegas, that's where we went to nice dinners or we went to bowl. We went to go to the spot. So I picked and we went and did a bunch of pricing. And something I learned is that hotels, I don't know if this is everywhere, but hotels in Vegas won't charge you for a rental of a a conference room. What they will do is say a per person price off their catering. Mm -hmm. So then we started talking about what this looked like. How can we come up with a package and a budget and what are the rooms? And so we came up with an amount that everyone would pay and it would pay for two nights of hotel and it would pay for all day in this conference room with a breakfast that we'd have together as a team and then some snacks in 
between and a catered lunch, like a plated lunch they actually mm-hmm. served us. That was a three course meal and then more snacks in the afternoon and we would just be in this room and play. So, I mean, this is what Vegas does. And right. even though like they had huge, they had like the WGI board of directors taking up like four rooms and they had like some wedding stuff and they had some way big tens of thousands of dollars reservations that weekend. We were not. Donald Trump was less. there that weekend. He came he to was. the steak dinner and made our steaks late. He made our steaks late and we got all free. We got every free dessert on we the menu. Dessert, thanks, so thanks, it Donald was Trump. worth it. But oh my God. <laughs> um, UFC was there for the weekend, right. but they we went with Red Rock Hotel and Casino. I feel it's worthwhile uh, to shout them out because it had everything. And once we got to that hotel, we literally did not have to leave. Fancy steak yes. dinner the night before there at the hotel. There's a spa there. There's the gambling. There's bars. There's the sports book. There's the movie theater, the casino. There's just something for everyone. You really did not have to leave in that or in the pools and all that stuff. Yeah. Everyone took advantage of what they wanted to for the weekend. And we got to be together as a team and not worry about like, let's Uber to here. Who's going to drive? Who's going to be? the sober driver so we we got to the hotel and we were there and we got to just be together and and they maxed it out right like our game which so kind of an inside joke of the game like i mentioned i had called i named this campaign the out casts of more sane which i felt yes. like was a really good title it at is some point as we got to high levels and we had this the juliana plays the cleric of the party and it's a life mm-hmm. cleric you guys decided there was nothing once you can bring back people from the dead with revivify or resurrection <laughs> or all these like crazy spells you're like team no consequences there's yes. no consequences for us do what you want and so you guys usurped the title of my campaign. And okay, okay, to, okay. To spit in my eye. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to make this game dangerous or intense, Rob. You changed it on roll 20 to say team no consequences. <laughs> I did. I did. So I had actually forgotten that this, the, the game was called Outcasts of More Saints. So you you also bought into our little inside joke of Team No Consequences. So that's what was on all the display boards when you're in right. the meeting all area. Team No Consequences, room this, and a marquee coming in the room. And... I think it said Team No Consequences, and then the subtitle was like Level 20, Dungeons and Dragons Level 20 Finale or something. Finale, yes. It was clear yes. like what it was, yes. because people talked to us about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and also because, you know, you, we had to walk out of our room to the bathrooms and because UFC was there, they had tons of like, uh, not security, but their red coat employees were there like sure. checking to make sure you were guests of the hotel and stuff. And we kept walking out like in our costumes <laughs> to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so a lot of people chatted us up. But, you know, I did that purposefully. I, I think I think you're right. It was a uh, level 20 D&D finale or something like mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. the was the second little sub line there. So, but you know, Red Rock hooked it up. They treated us like we were their $100,000 client and we were not obviously not anywhere close to that with just seven, eight people. 100%. Um man, food was good. I maxed it out. It was my only like kind of vacation this summer be- because we were moving. That took a lot of money and time, so this was my one little trip for the summer. So I got there super early Friday. I got myself a massage. Mm-hmm. I maxed it out in the spa. I remember I remember I'm I'm playing blackjack and I hear holiday behind me in Russian and I turn around and Michael and and Kim are there and like it, and then as people started trickling it was just so much fun. Yeah, that was awesome. They had met at the airport, so they got to have like and that was the first time they ever met in person. They met, and yeah, they met yeah. at the airport and shared a ride over to the hotel so that they could catch up and get to know each other, which was awesome. Something I don't think we mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about the setup for this game. At some point, people on Zoom during 2020 when we were playing this game started showing up in costume for this yes. game yeah i don't know why 
<laughs> I don't know how that happened. Well, I but... know why. You gave inspiration to the first person who did it. That's got to be it. So was it Adam who like wore a cowboy hat to the table? Something, yeah, I, I think was it was like, Adam oh, look at the first. commitment. You uh, know what? I think it was also, crazy. we haven't talked about Alice who played Mari Achi, oh right? And she came in full like Dia de, lo, de los Huertos face paint and a mm, sombrero one game. Sombrero. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so then it was like people were spending money. Like I, people are getting armor and sarapes and mm-hmm. hats and vests and holsters and all kinds I did of it stuff. to make my best friend happy because I knew you were going to lose your stuff the first time <laughs> I showed up on on camera with a dragon mask on. With a dragonborn so, mask on. Yep. yep. I, and that I couldn't wear it all the time because my glasses didn't fit. <laughs> so but yeah we started being in costume and everyone brought their costumes for being in that room on saturday but you know what the big steak dinner at the fancy steak house was so much fun yeah gigantic bill of all of us just eating our hearts out and sharing some food some fun you know you with your I dreamt of a tomahawk steak. <laughs> <laughs> Had yourself a tomahawk steak. Um, and you guys were super sweet. I did not know this was going to happen, but the group picked up my dinner tab uh, as a thank you for the game, which I thought was super cool. I promise I was going to get the tomahawk steak either way. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we you t- had talked about it for weeks, so we knew that was the thing, but we really actually tried to pay for your whole thing, but that, that proved to be a little bit much That's for everybody. Bad. But, you know, you spend a lot of money and time in preparation, especially all that pain Painting you had to do to prepare for that level 20 and 3d printing the town of Morsane and you maxed it out so why wouldn't we treat treat you to dinner so that was that was a team agreement that we were going to pay for your dinner and man well let's Steakhouse get into the good. experience and let's get into the actual the level 20 game we've talked a lot about what kind of led us there but i think we've got some audio from josh and juliana josh and juliana are a married couple who were in this campaign as well and they sent something in too right yeah they sent in and uh let's listen to them now After three years together, our troop of intrepid adventurers gathered in Las Vegas for one final adventure. It was spectacular for many reasons. Many of these people have only ever seen each other on little Zoom screens. Some had never met face to face, but there were hugs all around when we were eventually in the same room together. Rob and Annalise created the perfect event. We had an area large enough for our whole team as well as a never-ending supply of freshly catered food and drink to keep our energy up. The whole weekend was a chance to spend time together while enjoying a common diversion. Rob, as the DM, was prepared for every contingency and had the mini, music, and response for every eventuality of play. This was the most fun I had ever had in a D&D game. I was able to really dive into my character much more than I ever could when playing on screen. We wore costumes, used voices, read chants, and even brought mascots. I wish I could say, let's do it again, but I don't know if the stars will ever align in such a way for a second time. If they do, count me in. My name is Josh Massey, and on Team No Consequences, I play an elvish rogue based on the Clint Eastwood man with no name character called the elf with no name. And my favorite part of the ending in Las Vegas would actually have to be when we walked into the room and saw everything laid out and were able to play in person again. It was just amazing to be able to sit down over an actual table and see everyone and participate and just have a great time. We were talking about it earlier, but if I had tried to tell 15-year-old me sitting at the Carl's Jr. around the table, you know, just staying for hours playing games for free soda refills, that we would be playing in an executive conference room in a resort in Las Vegas fully catered, I probably wouldn't have believed it. So thank you very much, Anna 
Annalise for putting all that together. It truly was an amazing experience. Thank you to Juliana and Josh, to Adam, to Kim for sending us in these messages about their experience. I'm glad that I'm not the only one whose dreams came true and had a <laughs> D&D experience, just like Josh said. There's no, I mean, I used to sit on the floor playing D&D at, at my friend's house until late, late in the night. And we would like joke about how much, like we would call it rug butt. Like if you sit on a carpet long enough, your legs <laughs> like get indented with like the pattern yeah. of the carpet. And we would just sit there and eat fish crackers and Coca-Cola for hours and hours and hours <laughs> until the week, you know, till the middle of the morning no idea that we could have an experience like this like you said with just that vegas level of service and making yeah. you feel important they really made us feel important but let's talk about the game how how did the game go so for the level 20 campaign for the game for the level 20 game i had to prep it a little bit differently because we looked at the itinerary and it was like okay breakfast is at nine lunch is at 12 snack at 2.30 or or something like that, 3 o'clock. So there were just these chunks that we were going to get to play. We didn't, of course, have just unlimited time. That was something we even talked about was like, do we get a huge room? Like, do like, is my room like a big suite that's big enough for a party? So we just have the room forever and can play. It was like, no, we went with this way and it's going to be awesome. But that means you've got a three hour chunk, a 90 minute chunk and a 90 minute chunk. And Mm -hmm. that's it for the game. Mm -hmm. So I designed this one and this one was not a one shot from a book that I had stolen from somewhere, right? So I did this one in three acts. And how can I tie up all the loose ends, get us to the boss fight with Mr. Cairo and the big reveal about the sheriff in the town and give that satisfying ending. And so that's what I did. I just did, okay, act one, we're going to introduce all of these threads. Act two, we're going to fight, fight, fight. And act three is when maybe some of you are going to die because I'm just going to keep piling it off. (laughs) right uh, right for for the big finale and then it was this idea of well of course it has to happen in more sync if we're playing an in-person game that means terrain that means miniatures that means maps all this stuff so i was like oh i can get away with only making one map if the map is good enough And so it's like, we're, I'm building this little town. So printable scenery has an awesome set of an old West town. It had a sheriff's office and a saloon and a general store and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'll get that. And just started printing, started printing, started printing every day and painting up all of this stuff. I had a Kickstarter from Dungeons and Lasers that had just a whole box of fit together, build plastic miniatures, plastic models of townspeople. And it's got a ton of them from the gravedigger to the baker, to the drunk, to the rat catcher. Like it it just, I think there were, what did I say? Maria helped me paint these. It was something like 51 miniatures or something. Yeah, you had a lot. I was singing the, the, the intro to Beauty and the Beast. I was singing Bell while we yes. were setting it up that morning because there goes the baker like with his tray like and they like there was even little chickens and stuff. It was amazing. There was a flock of chickens. There's an egg, like a little kid stealing an egg and the uh-huh. flock of chickens going after him. Like it's a really good set. And thank goodness Maria was able to help me with that. And we just powered through painting the entire set of more saying so that when everybody sat down, there it was. The sheriff's office at the end of the main street, the main street lined with buildings and then and just peppered everywhere the living breathing town of Morsane and then put it in danger and try to destroy it so the heroes yeah. have something to do man and tell you that was one of my favorite we're going to go to this 
next, but one of my favorite moments was going there to the room early with you and helping you set up. And then you had the music playing. You had the same music that you had on this uh, when we were playing on Roll20 and you had hidden the speaker. So it looked like sounded like it was just coming in from the like the room and breakfast was set up and we had a separate round table. So the food wasn't with game. So we had long table for the game. And then in the room, we had a circular table where all the food where we had all the food and sat and had breakfast yeah. together. And then both of those had big giant windows that overlooked the strip. So, I mean, it was maxed out. And my, one of my favorite was. moments was... There was, was like everyone... a countertop on one oh, end yeah. where I was yeah. able to set up all my stuff. Having the stuff was funny. So I had to drive to Vegas because I had so <laughs> much stuff. I had boxes and boxes of miniatures and buildings and monsters and all this stuff. And so the car was packed and I put that all of that stuff on one of those luggage racks like four times right to like get yeah. it in to get it to the room to get it out of the room to get it back, to the back car in at the end well let's <laughs> let's say actually five times i'm gonna pause and tell this very funny story oh, so it. we initially were looking at the m resort um which is another one of my favorite locals quote-unquote locals casinos they had really great room rates before we looked into red rock Red Rock gave us a little bit better price, but we were looking at M Resort, M Resort. That was where we were landing because the rate of the rooms were so much better. But then Red Rock got back to us and said, oh, it's, you know, the minimum per person was smaller and made it more affordable. So we landed on Red Rock. I reserved all the rooms and I had my name, all the rooms because I reserved them. And then I added everyone's names, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I get a call. Rob and Adam carpooled together, which I think you're going to talk about in a minute, but you carpooled together. You're, oh, we're here at the hotel. And then I get a call from you saying, ah, oh, they're having trouble finding our reservation. And I said, that's really weird. It should just be under my name and your name. Let me go figure this out. So I go down. The, I'm like right there playing blackjack. So I cash out and I go down the escalator and no Rob, no Adam. And here comes a few of the others that are like, you know where Rob and Adam are? They said they're here at the lobby. And I went, hmm. So I called Rob. What hotel casino are you at? Well, I'm at the I'm M Resort. I'm at the M Resort, of course. <laughs> that's what's been on my calendar for three months. Standing there with your luggage rack full, with a bellhop, with his lug- your luggage rack full of all the game pieces, and your car gone to valet. The car was already everybody. gone to valet. They had brought us sparkling waters while we waited for check-in because surely they thought it was their fault. I were so sorry, Mr. Cooper. Please have a seat. Would you like some water? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. So count it five times that you had to- uh, Six, because I had to take it out times. and back. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, uh, that that was just a fun story. But um, well, I did not know that story was going to get told on the podcast. It, no, why, why wouldn't we? The whole weekend was magical. That's just another <laughs> magical part of it. It makes sense why it happened because that was where we landed first. And when you put it on your family calendar, that's where it put, and then you just never, no, never um, you never updated it. And you know, and I another, used the calendar. Uh, this is I don't know if you're the same way. I use the calendar to open maps. Like yes, wherever 100%. I'm going, I'll yes. just open the calendar event and hit the location on there and then the map turns on and I go. 100%. That's what I do. So I don't I don't blame that you for that happening at all, but um I loved everyone walking in for breakfast about nine o'clock strolling in from the late night of the steakhouse and seeing all the food and you know we had the curtains in closed costume. at first <laughs> and in costume putting down their stuff and just their, them seeing more sane in person for the first time was really cool yeah that, i mean that meant a lot to me because i did i mean i worked hard on it i had pictured it and i was ready for that moment and to see everybody come in one in costume like all happy and excited to play and then immediately all the phones came out and pictures started being taken i was mm-hmm. like yes did it and the game went really well. The three acts went really well. They ended in a good amount of time. Like, and per- then- like I mean, we had to be like, we were we had that room till five o'clock and 
damned if that game didn't end at 458. Like, mm-hmm. it, and you know, and I didn't cheat it. Like, it it really happened. It, and we it got was to just that. Perfect. And we got to that third act, and you brought out the big guys, the big the finals. That yes, it just. And one of so them any, being a, any yeah. of our listeners who played D&D, there was a Tarask and there was a clockwork Mecha Tarask as well that Mr. Cairo was piloting like a uh, like Voltron. You know, my only regret, I had that one last wish spell and <laughs> I wanted to end my game with our cool in the way I s- almost started it. I was going to teleport myself into the into the cockpit where where Cairo was and punch him in the face. <laughs> but, you know. Kim maxed it out. Holly Day maxed it out and def- and brought him down before I had a chance to and do mariachi, that. And but... mariachi, like they they kind of oh, yeah. the spellcasters kind of yes. decided once they saw what they were up against, they're like, okay, do a little mental count of the legendary resistances. Yes. And let's just start throwing spells and I make him like use them. They had just enough. <laughs> yep. We just enough to for for Holly Day to cast Banish one more time and have it actually work. And until and before then, you know, the Tarask had destroyed buildings and permanently altered all of us because of the amount of townsfolk that died. And I mean, it got really, really sketchy there at the end. It was a really well played game on all yeah, accounts. I had put in an extra mechanic as the town was being destroyed and beloved members of the community died that there would be a, there would be trauma, right? For our characters. And so there were permanent effects to their stats and hit points and stuff as those happened and and saving throws were failed just to give a little bit more urgency and a little bit more weight to that situation. No, and it forced us to do that thing of being in person and communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Don't go there because I'm like kind of metagaming as as we say, but yeah. The metagaming in per so it was probably the best game the group ever played as far yeah. as tactics Agreed. and speed of play and fun Agreed. because of that back channel. Right. Yes. When it's yes. your turn, you want to stay in character. You want to do your turn thing. When you're having a social encounter, you want to stay in character. You want to, you know, talk to people the way it is. When it's Annalise's turn and, you know, Kim and Alice are whispering to each other about what they're doing on their next turn and coordinating. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. That's part of the game. Part of some of the frustrations that I think we would have during the Zoom game is that back channeling can't happen in real time unless you're like really text messaging like crazy or whatever it's like oh now it's this person's turn and then that turn became their opportunity to have those little side conversations you would normally have around the table and it kind of would grind things to a halt at points right and and sometimes on the online stuff we would like text but someone wouldn't get the text so like you'd see the screen like someone pointing (laughs) to their phone or we try to use the zoom chat but if you don't see the pop-up you can miss it or someone decided oh it's so-and-so's turn i'm going to take this opportunity to go to the bathroom or go get a snack and blah 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 so they'd miss that you, you know, they were being asked questions on the side. So yes, it was definitely that uh, you called it back channel, if that's what it's called in D&D, that just being able to do that, like, hey, and get some feedback, especially I sat next to Adam at one point. I can't remember if it was the whole game. I think so. Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, it was but at some point. To me than Adam and you on that side. Yeah. And I was like, what is it? Can I, what is it? And he was like, oh, yeah, don't forget. Like, you can do this, this, and this. And like, it was very helpful to be next to someone who is so experienced. So game went perfect. I loved it. 
Just, so I mean, fun. just perfect. It, it couldn't have gone better. I felt like I prepped a ton and it was worth it. And I had everything written out. Even that night, like after the steakhouse, I was like, oh, I could, I could write some more dialogue for Angron. <laughs> like, like nice. I scribbled all over it and stuff. I was up late. I was like, I was genuinely excited and like staying up late, putting those final touches on it and stuff. I, I just couldn't wait. It was really fun. Let's talk about some of your favorite parts of the weekend. I'll start this one yeah. and say, I think one of my favorite parts, uh, besides me maxing it out and like my new boss said, you need to be refreshed for the year, take an extra day off. So I stayed a day longer. I didn't fly out till Monday morning. So I had all day Sunday just to hang out and mm-hmm. chill. But since we finished the game and had to pack up the room right about five o'clock, we all went back to our rooms and, you know, got out of costume, whatever, dropped off our stuff. And we met in one of the lounges mm-hmm. afterwards. And we each toasted to our characters that we had played for three years yes. and got to level 20 and talked about our level 20 boons and what the epilogues were for our characters. Right. I, re- I really liked that part. That was that was really great. Kim brought a, a big, chonky D20. And so once we got to oh, the bar right. and all settled in, it was like, all right, go around the table, roll initiative. And I never had to go first and talk about their epilogue for their character and where they thought that how, you know, the rest of their lives would go after yeah. this harrowing tale and what their effect on more sane and things would be. And then, yeah, like you said, we all toasted to the character and just what a great way to finish right what a great finale and we went team bowling that was fun too we went bowling (laughs) bowling. yeah (laughs) that was one of my favorite moments was doing the epilogues with everybody i mean the whole weekend was pretty magical honestly it (laughs) It really really was was something something special but adam and i carpooled to vegas so that's a that's a good good long drive and we listened to we listened to a dungeons and dragons audiobook we we listened to the book of strahd i strahd because he had never i mean that's one of my that's one of my favorite novels. I think it's going to come up later this season, but it's mm-hmm. it's a novel and it's also part of the game. Like in, in oh, sure. the campaign of like Ravenloft, one of the items you have to find before you can fight Strahd is the Tome of Strahd, which is his right. journal and to learn about him and stuff so that you can you can face him later. That journal is how this novel is written. It's the journal of Strahd. So I, I think that's really cool. And so I've read that yeah. book a bunch of times. So it's not great, but... It's a favorite. And so we listened to that on the way, which was fun because we're playing in that campaign that Michael's running and blah, 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 blah. But we also like, you can only listen to an audiobook for so long before it kind of starts droning or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, pause that. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about this restaurant. So we were geeking out over the menu and like, look at what are you going to order? What steak are you going to get? Oh, I'm getting that tomahawk. I don't care. Is there a side that they light on fire? I want something where they light it on fire, just going nuts and talking about all the cool stuff that we were going to get and getting hyped for it. I mean, we did have that detour at the M hotel but (laughs) we all got there a little early um Mm -hmm. before dinner and so there was kind of a impromptu happy hour that we did at the hotel as well and so we got all the stuff loaded and stuff and adam and i walked down to the bar where we were having that happy hour and that was just that made it so real to see everybody there finally in person look over the eye give them a hug i was like we did it like it's whatever happens this is from happening this point out like <laughs> we all made it out here we all committed and we made it here together and that was just that was just incredible i mean i've only seen michael twice in my life before that yeah. like in person right so yeah. that was just awesome yeah playing at the table and seeing people's investment and getting excited about the table like i mentioned like even during the game people jumping up and looking at where their character was and well if i shoot here how much distance do i have over there and this kind of stuff and also i'm going to take a picture 
part of my custom painted miniature, like over the town and stuff. And just taking those kind of pictures and seeing the investment and, and how much, you know, how much happiness I was able to bring to that group by getting this getting this far definitely the first one through 20 game i've ever run in all of my decades of dungeons and dragons playing right so right. uh it just it couldn't have gone better and that and that's what i think it's like i did it <laughs> bucket list item ran a one through 20 campaign and had the finale in vegas in the most like maxed out way possible bringing happiness to all my friends and sharing yeah. it together was it's amazing there isn't a single thing the entire weekend that I would change. Everything was just right on. And you, you know, sometimes you do group of friends travel and there's a little bit of drama or there's a little mm-hmm. bit of like, I don't really want to do that. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go do my own thing. And it was none of that. We were all in lock and just hanging out together. There isn't a single thing that I wouldn't do again. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That was our next question. So yeah. yes, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I would be hesitant to say, yeah, let's do it again. That was a lot. I don't know that that'll ever happen again. I yeah, don't know, not. especially now that we've done it, because there was some, at some point, I don't know if you felt this way. At some point, I felt like there was a sense of like a fiduciary duty to complete this campaign, even though it was hard <laughs> and people stopped showing up and it was, you know, people moved away. Like, I mean, both you and Kim move to different cities in the middle of this and there was all kinds of just like scheduling conflicts and all this stuff and canceled games and do we let it like "Mm, do i really want to keep yes we gotta do it we gotta i got a duty to these people we gotta finish it and i don't know if we tried to do it again if we could you're not wrong i don't know i I guess i don't mean necessarily like the one through 20 thing again but if we had a campaign that had a big finale even if it was you know just level five through ten or something i would do a weekend like this again where we're playing a finale or I know you kind of started to say maybe I can do this thing that we can Mm -hmm. play a certain amount of acts over a weekend it doesn't have to be as big as Vegas we could be somewhere someone's house that we come in and play over the course of a weekend and then a few months later meet again like something like that would be totally cool and then a a big finale like I would save up to do a big finale like that in Vegas or in Tahoe or in, 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 I mean, I do Red Rock again in a heartbeat. I'm trying to think what else can I do? What, what other kind of like event can I do in Red Rock and invite, invite a bunch of people? Cause it was just so much fun. It was super fun. Like there's no doubt about that. I, my hesitancy yeah. is not because it was fun. It was because it was so perfect. I don't think I can replicate it. <laughs> you don't want to. And read I it, think yeah. there was something, I think there's a part of that that was the difficulty of it, the specialness of it, like the way it started in, you know, in that pandemic where people yeah. were just trying to figure out what to do and then sticking with it past, you know, like we're coming up to the end of a campaign in our Saturday game. Do we want to go fight the dragon at a big thing in Vegas? It's like, no, I'm not going to spend all that time and money to do that because it, it just doesn't happen. It's great. And I love playing in that campaign, but it's not the same investment. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I I agree with you, but also what pops into my head is like, your our Saturday game has Andrew in it, so taking Andrew to Vegas doesn't make much sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I hear what you're saying. You know, and I think you, you talked about like a, a fiduciary responsibility to finish the game. I can't speak for others. I grew really attached to my character, and I wanted to see my character through the level twenty if my character survived through it. Right? Like there was a couple of times our cool almost like died, died. Right? Mm-hmm. I have two frowny faces, and <laughs> you know, team no consequences. Our cleric came through at the end. 
I, I was going to leave the campaign if Arkul died. I wasn't going to make up another character and start at like level 16 or whatever. And yeah. that happened a couple times in the later levels because as much as Luther was the tank, Arkul as the monk also would run right in. I right. have this trouble with a high level rogue that I've played too. It's like, I always win initiative. So I'm always the first one mm-hmm. to run in the room. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I just get absolutely like, yeah. herb stomped into other people's turns. Right. And then the second piece to it is, and we don't have to go into big detail about this, but Luther actually was turned to dust very oh, yeah, early dead, in level dead. 19. He was we dead, dead. Rolled up to make like, <laughs> I was like, so I don't get to come to Vegas. What's up? <laughs> Someone thought about bringing a bag of sand to represent him on the table. Like, <laughs> on the, I mean, he was he was dust, and yeah, he got disintegrated. I wanted to sure. see that through, right? I was gonna yeah. find a way to get to Vegas to see that through. I had that already. There was there were two ways that that could go for mm-hmm. sure, and we wanted to kind of play it up and have some drama about it. Of like, hey, this character is a redemption paladin. They found their redemption. They found their peace, and they died. Are you gonna bring them back? Is that the right thing to do? And hopefully, it felt like there was a choice there because there was. I had the sheriff Coleman stat block like ready to go. If you guys decided, like, you know what? Maybe we're going to we let him, let be him peace. go and let him be at peace. I was just going to slide that over to Adam. All right, here you go, buddy. <laughs> You're Sheriff Coleman. Mm-hmm. Well, and we had the game level 20 game in Vegas started with our cool throwing a stoic fit about having the weight of responsibility of this mm-hmm. journal and reading some of the journal to the team and saying he's at peace. What do we do? And then <laughs> funny part of this talk about like quality role playing. I think everyone stepped up being in person here comes josh with his elf with no name saying well i'm a gambling man and he rolls some dice and he just goes thumbs down <laughs> it was like a one or two or three or something he just like thumbs down thumbs down yeah just right in his character obviously he didn't say thumbs down we're saying that because we're on the podcast but it was just all boop. and uh <laughs> you know moved on and we had this discussion and we end up bringing him back and there was this beautiful role play with you and adam about luther in a heavenly experience with his you know deceased wife and deceased son and having the peace of his redemption and you even gave him the decision whether or not to follow the light to come mm-hmm. back to life that whole it was the first maybe 20 30 minutes of yeah. the the start of the campaign was just so good so good i really appreciated that well then there was the punchline like he got outvoted and he decided to come back and josh goes, oh, yeah hey maybe we just don't mention anything about that about the down. dice roll <laughs> <laughs> that was great that was great classic oh it was so good so do it again i get your hesitation on that you're right it was such a good weekend i might just have to go back to red rock and just hang out there myself i mean i like that place in the first place when i lived by there we went there a lot not necessarily to gamble but like i said at the, like vegas is a little bit better now in the neighborhoods having restaurants that are not in the casino but at the time like if we wanted to go to the fancy steakhouse to a fancy steakhouse we walked through the casino to get to a fancy steakhouse so you know we wanted to go to a movie there weren't standalone i think they're still not standalone movie theaters there may be oh. one or two one or two at bigger malls but you go to your local's casino and go to the movie theater there so i would love another weekend like this should we ever have the opportunity to get together and play some big finale i'd do it again that was our big summer. That was our nerd travels. That was the end of our big D&D game. That was the nerdiest thing we did all summer. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I feel like I've said my final thoughts on it. Was there anything else that you wanted to? No, it's a really great way to kick off nerd travels and hopefully get you maybe jazzed up to try a few more.
Here we are again, Rob. What's the nerdiest thing you did this week? Oh, man, I had a really good week. I have a nephew. His name is Henry. He's seven. His whole life, he's been coming over to uncle's house and just looking around the nerd room at all the crazy, (laughs) weird, cool stuff that I've got here and my display cases and those kinds of things. And he was at an age where, you know, a, a month ago or so, he was over here and he was looking through things and flipping through some books for the first time. You know, it's like you kind of look at the miniatures in the display case and stuff. But then he kind of started looking through some of the books. And talking about things and like, when can I play a Dungeons and Dragons game? It's like, oh, buddy, I've been waiting for seven years for you to ask me that question. So got with his dad. We scheduled it for a couple weeks out and we used, we did not use fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons rules. We used a system called RPG Kids. RPG Kids is by Enrique Bertrand. And I picked up this rule set on Drive-Thru RPG. He's got the basic rules that come with an introductory adventure. There's also a supplement of adventures that I think are like five more. They are designed to be young kid friendly in this first adventure it's kind of funny like you're in a town and the sheriff gives you a message uh, a mission to you. <laughs> I was like, oh really <laughs> well he's also a platinum dragonborn with a star and a shield and the- so <laughs> sheriff colvin gave them the mission that you know the evil wizard that lives in the mountains had been turning townspeople into frogs up in his like little cave and stuff and so they got to go through the forest they got to go through the cave they got to fight the guy the rule system is real light and Very straightforward. And I thought really fun. You get four choices. You can be the sword fighter, the archer, the healer, or the wizard. Everything is based on a D12, right? It's just you roll a D12 and you try to beat the other guy. So if you're the sword fighter and you're attacking me, well, you have a sword. So you get a plus one to your D12 roll and I'm a goblin. So I'm just going to roll my defense against you. So you roll, you roll a seven. That's an eight. I roll, I roll the six for my defense. You hit me. I can get hit twice. I can be hurt or I can be knocked out. So every bad guy, you kind of got to hit twice and like, oh, that guy's already hurt. That guy, he's knocked out. Same thing with the players. They can be hurt and they can be knocked out. The healer, interesting mechanic, the healer just has a burst effect. Every square around the healer, so three, all eight squares around the healer are effective. They just kind of like pop with radiant energy. If there's a bad guy, they take a damage. If it's a good guy, they get healed one. So if you're knocked out, you get to hurt. If you're hurt, you get back up to full. And that's that. And then the wizard was, it was just a little too boring for me because oh, okay. it was basically the same as the archer. The archer gets a plus one on its range because it's got a bow. The wizard gets a plus range on its range because it like shoots a little ball of fire. So I, of course, have all these assets. So I grabbed another system that has this huge list of 100 spells that don't really have any mechanics. They're just names of spells. And so, of course, new players always choose the wizard. If you're interested in D&D, like classic mistake. Wizard's always the hardest character to play. But the new players always want to play a wizard, right? So he came in, he wanted to be the wizard. I'm like, cool. Fundamentally, the most important thing, I taught him how to roll a D100 with the two 10-sided dice. Oh, ten sure, side, I mean, sure. people, adults still can't figure that out, but he's got it. <laughs> and he rolled randomly for four spells and we wrote them down. And then it was up to him to just be creative and figure out what those spells meant to him and how he could use them in the game. And sure enough, Diddy, like just absolutely had a wonderful time with him playing this wizard and going through his dad played, he played, and then Andrew and Maria played. So we had all four things and we ran through and defeated the wizard and turned the townsfolk back from frogs and it went great. So I was real happy about that. And if he wants to play again, I got five more adventures ready to go. 
<laughs> nice. First of all, that's super cool. It does it seem like he's into it enough that he might ask again? I think so. I mean, I know that he went straight home and got out like paper and pencils and started drawing and making his own character sheets, you know, oh, that cool. matched the ones we went so that he could start running games for his mom and dad. And like, How I, fun. I, I think it hooked him pretty good. All right. How about you? What's the nearest thing you did this week? I did a lot of research and asked for help on how to zhuzh up the nerd room with some LED lighting. Oh, yeah. And there's there's two pieces to it. This is IKEA furniture. One of them is the Calyx box. So it's just very popular for board game. Exactly. Yeah. It's well, it's what board game nerds and like online content say. This is one of the shelves you can get if you yes. want to store your board games. It's blocks, right? It's squares mm-hmm. of shelving. So you can't take an LED strip and just run it across the top of it because there is a board blocking you all the way down. Okay. Your squares. You'd so, have to drill holes or do something. Or like drill and to put the strip through it or something mm-hmm. like that. I could put it on the very back and it would illuminate the back and would hit some of the light from the wall would hit some of the box. But that didn't seem like it'd be great. And the other two shelves I have aren't calyx. They're bookshelves, but with sliding glass doors. So same mm-hmm. thing. In order to get lighting in there, I have to, I'll have to drill a hole in the back to get the wire out. But how do I go from shelf to shelf to shelf without it just being, um, yeah. right? With, I don't want three different remotes for each. No. Like yeah, it's just yeah, a lot yeah. of research I had to do. And I think I figured out the shelves with the doors, but I haven't done that part yet. I did find an LED light for the Calyx box in which they are strips that are exactly a foot long, uh-huh. which is perfect for the Calyx length. And then they're attached by a wire and the wire is so many centimeters long or whatever, so many inches long. And then they came with little clips to kind of bind the wire so you don't have wire sticking everywhere. So oh, that's great. That, yeah. So each one of those strips fit in right under the calyx box. So it's lighting up whatever's on the shelf below it. The little clips stick onto the back so that the wires hide behind the vertical shelf. Then the final wire, they put a, you know, another clip so that it just leads it down the side of the thing and then it's plugged into the back and that no wires exposed. And I have LED lighting on the Calyx shelves. So that was a very nerdy project. It took a long time to research and figure it out. Okay. I'm going to need your help because I've always wanted to have that on the back of my cupboards, like kind of illuminating mm-hmm. from behind. But I have that same question where I've got a row here, but then there's a door in between the right. next row. Right. So it was like, well, I don't want those just sitting there. So do I like stick it to the wall above the door and then like tape over it with white tape or something like that sucks. Right. So I might need to. I need to pick your brain a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll show awesome. you what I landed on. Even even when I ordered it, I only ordered one strip, by the way. The other one's coming now because I just ordered one to see if it would work. Right. I plugged in it, plugged it all in, make sure it all worked. And then I, you know, I moved the box and I moved the calyx shelf out away from the wall. And I was like, before unsticking it, how is this going to work and work the mechanics? Yeah, I didn't even know that it was going to work until I actually was physically trying to put it together. And then I went, oh, this is totally going to work. So then I started peeling off the strips and wiping down the counter and, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I shared some pictures on my personal social media. I think it came out really good. And awesome. yeah, and now the Calyx box boxes are maxed out. I have more. I have a lot of games and I didn't, I don't know how that happened. Uh... <laughs> I honestly, I was like, oh, well, this is it. Cause I haven't really bought a lot of games, but then the game steward had their sale in, in June. I bought two things, but one of them, which is really nice about the game steward and companies that offer you the Kickstarter exclusives. Mm-hmm. So I got the Munch, Munchkin D and D game. 
Yeah, but I that got cool. The, That'll be fun. The box of holding and the expansion and and it's, so that's like four boxes. And then I got what's the other one I got? After we played Mansions of Madness, you sent a list like these games are like Mansions of Madness if you like them. So I got Eldritch Horror, which yes. by the way I found a Felder um, nice. organized box for it. So I might ask you to combine it and I'll pick it up next time I'm in town because oh, okay, I'm, sure. I'm either paying for shipping or you get to the point. Yeah. You yeah. Have yeah. Free shipping I'm or whatever. Buying yeah. Tons of those things. You're buying them. Like, I made month, a mistake. But... I, or I made a big order at the beginning of this month, but I didn't yeah. realize one of the things that I chose is for a newer game. So it's a pre-order and that pre-order oh. is stopping the entire order of everything. I want. So I did like the Conan stuff and the star Wars stuff. Oh, like all of this no. stuff. I was like, Oh, you know what? I didn't order last month. That gives me magical permission to order like, four things this month and now they're being <laughs> held up by a pre-order oh man catch. you can't call them and just take the pre-order i mean i guess if you still want it why would you yeah. oh that's a bummer mm-hmm. but yeah there's a whole that one's all cards there are no minis in eldritch horror at all so yeah so that's that but that'll be somewhere down the line and then there are two games out right now that i want it's the come on game stranger things upside down and there's a mm-hmm. new game based off the movie scream coming up that actually utilizes your cell phone and calls you as if you are in the movie which nope. no i am i am super stoked for but that's one yeah, of those ones I mean, that you play like with the lights out but like, uh-huh. candles around the room uh-huh. to like really freak yourself out yep. uh, oh my gosh that's one thing we did that was really cool when when i ran through the curse of straw D campaign that was like mm-hmm. all right turn off the lights light up the candle i had like the little electric candles and stuff that we put around yeah and all this stuff that's because cool it was like gothic horror baby let's get freaked out i do that when i play final girl i get super spooked out i haven't won a game of final girl at all i get slaughtered every single time but i love playing and i've got like spooky music like like yeah. instrumental horror movie movie music playing and i got the lights all out i got the led lights on around me like it's all turned to red it's great i love it oh i should find at one point i had found it might have been a reddit thread or it might have been a separate website where people had curated playlists for board games specifically nice so it's like like, oh you're playing gloomhaven here's a gloomhaven playlist to put on in the background there was a folklore one which was why i was like i found it A few changes and additions to our content this season as we add our podcast to the Patreon family so we can pay our podcast bills this year. We will continue to have new episodes every other week with some fun, nerdy stuff in between for subscribers. On our next episode, we are going into the library and checking out our favorite books to share with our listeners. And in between now and then, well, check out our Patreon page for more. Remember to subscribe, share, and give us that five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media platforms at NerdBestFriends or send a message by writing podcast at NerdBestFriends.com. I'm going to go plan more nerd travels for us, Rob. I don't care what you say. All right. I suppose these miniatures will be back for me to paint when I get back. I'm just saying we're going to go have some fun. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Patreon. We'll see you next episode. We'll talk to you next time. And of course, I lost myself in my rage. I feel I have let our cool Peter and every part of this family down. I am tied to these brigands and murderers because I am a brigand and a murderer. And I made sure the gang remembered it. I have not felt rage that strong in years. I beat Jesse until my knuckles bled. And then I shoved as much ancient gold down his lion throat as I could get my hands on. Turns out after all this living I've been doing, I'm still the same old Luther. 
playing for a different team. All their brains, schemes, cunning, and prowess got them nothing but a patch of dirt. Worse than that is the trouble of I believe the gang, and by association, myself, have caused our cool. I feel the first time our cool left here was not on the best of terms, and this can only have made things worse. And all of this makes me think if I had accomplished anything, I showed my true colors to Peter, caused damage for our cool in their homeland, and the only thing I am sure of is that I will never be able to see my family again with my death. I only hope that when I do inevitably make my way to hell, it is fiery and terrible. Otherwise, I'll feel I've been sold a false bill of goods.